Welcome to Cleveland Clinic Cardiac Consult, brought to you by the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at Cleveland Clinic. Hi, my name is Eileen Cheech. I'm the Medical Adult Heart Transplant Director for the Cleveland Clinic, and I'm here to, with this amazing team to actually celebrate our 2,000 heart transplantations at the Cleveland Clinic. We have both the pediatric as well as the adult teams here today. And uh, we briefly want to just thank everyone for, for all that you have uh, done and, uh, and, and helped us achieve this accomplishment. I'm gonna start with the pediatric team first. Uh, Dr. Hani Najam, uh, our surgical director. Please uh, we'll wave and say hello. Great, thank you. Thank you so much, Eileen. It's a pleasure to be with this amazing team. And indeed, we are actually delighted with this 2000 heart transplant. Uh, it happened to be a pediatric heart transplant. We started our program in 1985. And since then, we've done more than 170 cases of heart transplantation with another 10 more redo transplantation, multiple ventricular assist devices of all the spectrum from Centromag, uh, uh, Berlin Hearts, uh, HeartMates, all the spectrum of assist devices that, devices that have been used before the transplantation. We're very proud that we are attached to a very strong, powerful, one of the most uh, powerful programs uh, in the world for heart transplantation, the adult uh, transplant program, uh, because we are, uh, uh, we are basically starting off with the kids with the congenital heart disease that they eventually uh, become adults and they may need help with the heart transplantation. Uh, we have innovated on multiple uh, platforms, uh, including the medical management, specifically when uh, we have switched from management of Berlin hearts from heparin to bivalirudin, and this has dramatically changed the outcome of this assist device. In addition to that, we're working in the lab to uh, produce a, a miniature uh, total artificial heart that would be implanted for infants and, and young children that would uh, help us also bridge these patients to either a full transplantation or a permanent device. Uh, this, this all work has happened over the past many years, and this uh, is exemplified for the, by the 2000 heart transplantation, which she uh, developed uh, acute myelocytic leukemia, and she developed uh, cardiomyopathy from uh, uh, from chemotherapy and she needed, uh, so her ventricular function has deteriorated substantially, eventually needed a mitral valve repair. We thought that we could actually bridge her into a longer term. Unfortunately, the heart continued to, de to deteriorate and eventually needed an assist device. She, we've inserted an assist device for her, the Centromag, which has done well for her for a few months, as a matter of fact, until she received the hair, uh, heart transplantation. And since then, she has done extremely well, and she's actually on the verge to go home. So we're so delighted with uh, the collaboration that this amazing team that uh, brings up together, uh, as well as the research that is going on behind uh, these doors in the lab. Thank you very much, Arlene, for this opportunity, and we're so proud of being in this uh, amazing team. Well, thank you very much. And I also want to introduce Dr. Jerry Boyle, who is the medical director of the pediatric program. And before you begin, I want to brag for you. Your three-year survival for the SRTR uh, for pediatrics is 95%. 
that is amazing since the national average is only 89%. So um, why don't you tell us about uh, the medical innovations and challenges that you've uh, faced over the years? And you've obviously done an amazing job. Well, thank you, Eileen. I, I really appreciate the, uh, your kind words and the ability to uh, more. I appreciate more the ability to work with this amazing team. Um, uh, it is a very collegial team. I, I, I have been here for now 15 years, uh, 16 years, and um, uh, the amount of support we get and give to our adult program uh, has been amazing. Um, in early, uh, our first heart transplant in pediatrics was done in 1985, as Dr. Najm said. Um, uh, in the early 2000s, um, we uh, developed some innovations in the medical therapy uh, of transplant. Um, we started using um, uh, uh, induction therapy at that point, uh, and um, in fact, started using it in the uh, operating room at the time of transplant. Uh, that has resulted in a dramatic decrease in um, uh, acute cellular rejection. Uh, in fact, it's, it's, an, it's an incredible rarity that we see this. Um, we have done 178 or 79 transplants in pediatrics now, um, and it has been with, uh, with the full support of both teams. Um, I feel very um, lucky to be able to call on my adult colleagues to come on down and help me uh, Think about patients pre-transplant and uh, uh, even um, at the time of transplant, we've had some support there. Um, uh, our team uh, is small, but we're mighty, um, and we continue to innovate. Uh, as Dr. Najm said, we uh, have uh, full use of all of the um, available devices. Again, thanks to our adult colleagues. Um, uh, and um, our subspecialty team includes our uh, infectious disease, our pathologists. It, it really does take an entire uh, village to um, to get this these amazing results, uh, not done uh, in uh, in isolation at all. It was an exceptional challenge, um, and uh, on a continuous flow device with a um, uh, Centromag uh, for several months. Uh, uh, was successfully transplanted uh, uh, 16 days ago, underwent her first part uh, cath today, post-transplant and biopsy. Again, no rejection, uh, and we are planning to send her to our rehabilitation hospital early next week. So uh, again, uh, the teamwork uh, that uh, that is personified by the by the Cleveland Clinic uh, has really driven this program, uh, and uh, I. Believe we will continue to excel uh, and accelerate in our uh, care of patients. Thank you. Well, thank you. Really appreciate it. I also want to add how important it is our multidisciplinary approach. Um, that is really the glue of everything. Every pediatric and adult patient that comes to the Cleveland Clinic is reviewed by a multidisciplinary team that uh, makes sure that the right therapy is selected for each patient. That team consists of nurses and nurse practitioners that specialize in heart transplantation as well as mechanical circulatory support, such as left ventricular assist devices. We have clinical pharmacists that, that round with us uh, in the hospital to ensure that there are no drug interactions and also to make sure that the patients are compliant with their therapy. We have social workers that evaluate the patients and also manage their psychosocial concerns both pre and post-transplantation. We have medical assistants 
that ensure that the uh, patient's questions that are answered both pre and post uh, transplantation. And we have nutritionists that ensure that the patients are properly diagnosed with malnutrition and managed for this in advance. Um, like every center, we also have allergen uh, lab specialists that, that really match uh, our patients with their uh, proper donor. And of course, we have uh, um, cardiologists and surgeons and doctors in training that really make this all happen. And we're really well aware that the patients that come here are afraid often, they're scared, and many come as a last resort after they've uh, been declined elsewhere. And we recognize the importance of that and we take a comprehensive approach and together review all the images uh, so that we're not just discussing it, we're looking at it with a lot of different eyes to make sure that the right therapy is given to all patients. I think one of the things that shows how much of a team we are um, is really our experience through COVID. This really wasn't something we anticipated. This was something that required actually a lot of effort. And Dr. Michael Tong, who is our Director of Mechanical Support, Circulatory Support for Adults, is, uh, is here today to talk about um, how we've kind of managed and successfully transplanted patients through this process. Dr. Tong? Yes, thank you, Dr. Heesh. It is such an honor and pleasure to be part of this wonderful team, and, um, and it's really exemplified of the things that we were able to accomplish during this COVID period. Um, as COVID swept across the country, and particularly in the East Coast, uh, many large transplant programs were shut down because of the lack of ICU space. Um, also, patients who are transplanted um, are immune suppressed, and that means they are at extra heightened risk of getting COVID. Well, we recognize that, um, that this is a, an, a pandemic that was affecting the whole country. It is still very important to us that we are able to continue to take care of our patients. So we had to change some of the process of what, how we did things here at Cleveland Clinic to ensure that our patients can really get the care that they needed. Um, in our hospitals, we created COVID-free zones where any patients who enter these uh, zones um, enter these units had to be tested negative prior to um, them being able to enter and essentially create a bubbles within the hospital for our transplant patients pre and post transplant. In addition, uh, we had to make sure that our caregivers are safe and protected as well, particularly when it came to our harvest teams who are traveling to other hospitals and going to areas that, um, that potentially uh, were had a much higher COVID rates than we had here in Northeast Ohio. Um, to ensure that, we made sure that all of our all of our harvest team had the proper PPEs that they carried with them um, to the hospitals. In addition, um, we insisted that every donor was tested for COVID, and we had that insistence very early on before it even was a requirement. Um, at the many of the, of the centers. And only if they were tested negative for COVID, then we had our team uh, travel there to uh, harvest the organs. Um, in addition to that, as, um, as we across the country started to understand how COVID was uh, affecting us, we wanted to make sure that uh, we minimize the risk, not just for us, but for all the programs. And whenever possible, we would ask the um, wherever the donor was, we asked their local teams to procure for us, and in return, we would procure for them um, should we have a, a donor that, uh, that uh, 
that they had a suitable recipient for. Um, because of these, uh, because of these changes, and uh, because of uh, the teamwork and uh, the institute institutional support that we've received, we have been able to continue to uh, offer transplantation for our patients. And in fact, uh, at this time this year, we've done more transplants this year than we had at the same time last year, despite the fact that the number of donors have, uh, across the country has decreased by about uh, 20% because of the COVID. So this is truly a team effort that's allowed us to continue to treat our patients and give them the best care. And, um, and it is uh, something that we continue to, to cherish and, uh, and, uh, and the foundation of our program. Thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, I think this is a, in itself a remarkable feat for which uh, we never really anticipated having to, to undertake. And uh, I really, you realize what a great team you have when, when you all come together and succeed in a crisis. Um, I also um, want to focus a little bit on the adult heart transplant program. Um, we have done an amazing uh, job. I, the, um, our one-year survival is 97%, and our three-year survival is 88%, which is well above the national average. Um, Dr. Jerry Estep is our section head for heart failure and transplantation, and he's going to talk to us about the challenges and innovations uh, for transplantation for the adult um, arena. So, Eileen, thank you uh, for, for introduction and helping put this together. And it's a real honor and privilege to be sort of to be part of such a robust and, and team that focuses in on, focuses in on quality. And um, there have been a number of advances, really over decades, that uh, we're very proud to have contributed to as an organization related to better identifying the type of immunosuppression to provide patients, um, pursuing steroid-free regimens in select patients, and incorporating the use of non-invasive monitoring for rejection, not relying on biopsies, which is particularly important during the COVID times. In addition to screening for chronic forms of rejection that can affect the heart arteries with imaging techniques. And so we've been part of this journey and there have been so many uh, members of our group that have contributed to this that we're very um, proud of. A challenge um, that was certainly real related to the disparities in survival in patients that were plagued with end-stage heart failure. In October of 2018, there was a, a change, if you will, in the heart transplant allocation score, going from a um, three-tier system to a six-tier system. With the thought of decreasing weightless mortality in those that were most likely to die and the sickest in the hospital, um, but not at the compromise of survival after transplant. And so we now have a new system that we've uh, adopted um, and we've been very successful with. And you know, certainly I look forward to uh, talking as a group about, about these uh, changes. Um, but this challenge has been met uh, in a very nice way in that we've been able to uh, leverage our team, and you mentioned the team approach we have to use uh, short-term devices, and there's been a four-fold increase in short-term devices to support patients. These patients are positioned highest on the list, um, and it allows us to um, uh, minimize that disparity, and there's better sharing of organs in, in keeping with the new roles to allow us to best serve uh, the, 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 the patients we have to get those a new heart that need it the most. And so there have been a number of changes that we've adopted and have embraced. And I'm proud when I look at um, um, early observations 
terms of investigations that we've been part of when we look at the national landscape, um, there was a potential um, compromise in survival after transplant with a new allocation score. It was an early look, six month survival compared to the old system. And at our um, hospital, we've had uh, in excess of 98 plus percent survival um, um, since October 2018. And so you mentioned our survival metric and it holds true. We're doing very, very well when we look at contemporary cohorts. So it's really a reflection of, of our team approach and our dedication to serve our patients uh, best we can. Thank you. And I think that one of the things I want to add for you is that you've um, really helped with uh, the innovation by allowing us to actually use axillary balloon uh, pumps to, uh, to support our patients who are critically ill. No longer do they have to lie flat in bed, for which they then become, you know, weak and uh, not able to actually, um, you know, ambulate right after transplant, you've now gotten to a point where actually you put it in an axillary position the position to enable them to, to be able to, to ambulate, to walk, to get up, so that they, when they go for their heart, they're really in the best shape possible and not uh, debilitated. And I think that makes a huge difference and uh, is part of the reason we have succeeded. Um, I'd like to also introduce Dr. Ed, Edward Soltis, who is our Surgical Director for Adult Transplantation. And he's here to discuss actually the innovations as well as the challenges that we face uh, for, for transplants and mechanical circulatory support. Eileen, thank you very much. And it's really a true honor to be part of such a dedicated team of caregivers. Um, we really live by the motto that there's no rank in the cockpit, and that applies to all the team members from the directors of the whole program all the way down to those who care for our patients um, and, and answer the phone calls. Um, well, as you've heard, we certainly have uh, some tremendous innovations that have taken place in cardiac surgery, I mean, the management of patients with advanced heart failure. We have newer support devices that have enabled us to rescue patients who are critically ill and bridge them to transplantation. Um, we, have, we have some temporary devices and you've heard about the intraaortic balloon pump that Dr. Eastep has um, leveraged that can be inserted into the axillary artery in the shoulder and really enables patients to sit up and, and do exercise while they remain on, in the ICU and, and wait for their organ. We also have more powerful temporary assist pumps, such as the Abiumet Impella pump. Um, and these are available to patients who, again, are critically ill and unable to leave the hospital. Um, we've also had tremendous advancements in our durable LVADs. These are the implanted LVADs, such as the HeartMate 3 LVAD and the HeartWare HVAD. And this really has revolutionized the care of our advanced heart failure patients and enabled them to leave the hospital and really safely wait at home uh, for a heart. Uh, we really see the use of durable LVADs and transplants as complementary therapies to help our patients with advanced heart failure. We've also seen a, a tremendous evolution in not only simple things such as surgical technique, but in how we transport organs uh, from the donor hospital to our receiving hospital at the main campus of the Cleveland Clinic. We have been part of uh, a few trials now uh, using the Transmedics organ care system, the heart in the box, where we actually reanimate the heart uh, at the donor hospital and bring it back on the plane directly to our operating room while it's beating. 
We've also been able to utilize more donor organ hearts uh, that have uh, previously not been available to us, really because of the excellent treatment success uh, with hepatitis C. Previously, we never accepted organs that were hepatitis C positive, and now we are doing that, and patients are having a much greater opportunity of receiving a donor organ uh, with, with this opportunity. And finally, we're in the process right now of investigating the use of donors after circulatory death. This will hopefully open up a tremendous number of uh, newer organs uh, for us as we move into the uh, as we move into the future. So again, I, I want to thank everyone uh, for for listening and participating today. And Eileen, thank you for for moderating. Uh, again, we we we've had tremendous advancements. Um, and we have a long way to go, obviously, uh, to treat advanced heart failure in patients. But uh, with 2,000 hearts, it's a tremendous accomplishment. Thank you very much. Dr. Isip, would you like to add some final words? Yes, really, on, on behalf of the entire team, um, our dedication, our efforts, doing 2,000 transplants, being one of the largest transplant programs in the world, really has, has been uh, uh, a reflection of the commitment from so many others that you haven't heard of today. And the, the team approach I think is most important to highlight from excellence in nursing, nutrition, pharmacy, um, and even including those in training, anticipating the next generation to carry on the legacy. And it's most important to recognize that we appreciate the patients trusting us with their lives. And while it may appear um, separate, our pediatric and adult heart transplant program, we're very much on the same page and we share the same responsibilities. We have the same intent, and that's to achieve the best quality for our patients. We incorporate shared decision-making, patients first and front and center. And importantly, we're looking to innovate and improve upon transplant in general uh, moving forward. So very much appreciate the opportunity uh, to care for our patients. And we look for the next 2,000 patients uh, to, to help out with to come. Thank you. Thank you. That's beautiful. And I just want to remind everybody that every pediatric patient becomes an adult at some point. So we are one team and we always have been and uh, very pleased. So thanks everyone and uh, continue to save lives. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash loveyourheartpodcast. podcast.